Welcome back to another episode of Talent Talk. Whatever your listening preference, you can find our feature interviews on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and of course on unfospreys.com. Don't miss our chats with student athletes, coaches, alumni, and Ospreys and the pros. Now, let's get to today's episode. Welcome back. It's uh, another edition of Talent Talk. Uh, right now we have PJ Cotan or Patrick, um, depending on who you're, uh, who he's talking to, might get a different name. Thanks for being on. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, how have you been? I've just, you know, been enjoying myself whilst I've gotten back and, you know, coming into my sophomore year all the way from Australia. I'm just ready to get back into studying biology again and, you know, getting back into the program and the, you know, the life before I had here. Sure. Uh, I'll give a quick, you know, you gave a quick introduction to yourself right there, but uh, a little bit more for the listener. When did you come to UNF? Um, I remember right in your initial signing release, um, you know, after hearing from Matt that you're getting signed, uh, we haven't had a lot of Australians historically. Um, just give a quick background of yourself, where you're from. Uh, so I signed last year in, oh, I don't even remember when, but it was definitely last year. And, you know, in a little, uh, not a little town, but in a pretty big town in Gold Coast, Australia. It's a very beautiful place, actually. It's very similar to here with the weather-wise. We've got the beach, you've got nice weather, you've got it all. So I don't feel too far away from home, actually, which is good. I don't really get homesick that often. Yeah, growing up in Australia and playing tennis, um, it, it definitely tennis has a different uh, value to the country, depending on where you are in the, where in the world. Um, growing up in, in Australia, had you ever expected to go to the States to play collegiately? Not really, no. I think, I think it's always talked about and pushed to the side. And, you know, when it did come up, I was a bit tenant, like not sure what I was going to do. But, you know, I would recommend this to anyone. Like coming here, my first year was just amazing and I really enjoyed it. And, yeah, I, I would go home and tell everyone to go. Like it's probably going to be the best four years of your life and you're going to miss out on it when you do finish your four years. So. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. How about most of your classmates growing up, most of your teammates uh, playing tennis, going to school, um, those that were involved in tennis in Australia, did, you know, have other, others gone to play in the United States? Um, very handful of people I know that have gone. And, you know, some much older, some that have come back, actually, that have finished. I think I've, once I went to college and I kind of found a few more people that actually went. Whereas before I went, there was, was a little bit less, like I didn't really know who went and too much information. I guess that's why I was a bit hesitant as well, because I just didn't have that type of background and, you know, the background information on how college tennis works and all that stuff. But, yeah. So uh, you end up getting in touch with North Florida. Uh, what was that process like? How did you come to the decision that this was the right step for you? Because a lot of tennis players... Uh, advise not to go to uh, to college if you want to play professionally and there might be some that do yeah I'm well the process that I got here was I was kind of I started a bit late with my you know process of looking at colleges because I still wasn't quite sure and I had a few contacts at the National Academy in Australia and they kind of helped me um, you know take the next step and I had a few offers there but you know number one for me was location and coach as well. I mean, coach definitely, but 
you want to be in a good place. You don't want to be somewhere miserable and you're going to hate it for the next four years. You want to be somewhere what you're used to, like I am now in this nice warm weather. And, you know, coach uh, Lucas is amazing. Like it will take anything on board and help you with it. And so I think it just, two things came together and it was perfect. But definitely back home, there is a bit of, you know, unknown about college and a lot of people don't advise it, but I think it also depends on the person and how they want to develop as a tennis player. Some are late bloomers and, you know, you have examples like John Isner, Kevin Anderson and Steve Johnson who went to college and, you know, they're now top 100 players. And it's extremely difficult in tennis. So there's no right, you know, right pathway for one player. There's different ways to get to top 100. It's just what you think is best for you, I guess. Yeah, and that's an important thing that you touch on right there. Um, just making your way in collegiate tennis because you have to do everything. Obviously, you have a coach, but you have to do everything yourself. You have to stay healthy. Um, if you can't play, uh, you know, you miss a tournament at a certain time of year, that's going to hurt your ranking and you fall behind. Um, you know, and Isner and, and Anderson, both, you know, one's a SEC guy, one's a Big Ten guy. You know, that, you know that, that's pretty rare too, but they've had great careers. Um, so it definitely does happen. Uh, speaking of guys that have played professionally, I know I reached out to Bart, uh, Coach Van Leachson and Coach Lucas talking, hey, what are some stories on the team? And they pitched that you got a chance to, uh, to train with Bernard Tomic. For those who don't know who that is, he's, you know, he's got, you know, well over 40 wins, I think, in major play, quarter finalist. How'd that happen? Um, so I was actually hit at the Brisbane International uh, one year, maybe two years ago now. And one of the head coaches at my club came up to me and was like, hey, Bernard Tomic, it was actually Paul Hanley at doubles. Uh, he won the Brisbane International doubles like a very long time ago. Like he was 17 in the world at one point. Like I wasn't going to say no, of course. And yeah, we st slowly started hitting and, you know, we kind of just gelled, I guess. And we kept everything quite business related. And, you know, it was good. He gave me a few tips and, I unfortunately left for college or I went, I went traveling somewhere. So we stopped hitting. And then again, we started hitting again around that um, when Brisbane international was around. So I had to leave again to come back to college. And then I went back when COVID hit and we started hitting properly and for a few months straight as well. And yeah, he gave me a lot of tips and pointers on how I should be playing and yeah, I thought it was a great experience, one that I'll never forget. Uh, definitely a big name in Australian tennis. Interesting, he's European, but, uh, you know, by by birth, but moved to the Gold Coast. Um, Leighton Hewitt, you know, obviously Rod Laver, big Australian tennis names. But do you have do you have a personal favorite in the in the professional tennis ranks? Um, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think the obvious answer is going to be Federer, but I also like the enigma, uh, the enigma of Nick Kyrgios and just like mm -hmm. how, you know, unpredictable he is. And, you know, as an Australian, I know he's done some not so great stuff, but <laughs> looking, at, looking at his tennis alone, I mean, the guy is just pure talent. And, you know, I try and base on my game off of him and because, I mean, he wins matches and that's what, matters the most anyway as long as he's winning then it doesn't matter so yeah no that was another big name that I left out for Australian tennis I know when I send out questionnaires for you know tennis incoming tennis players who's your favorite 
a lot of them say curious as well. So um, yeah. you're not you're not alone there. People do like his flair. <laughs> do do like his flair. Uh, uh, but going back to training, uh, what what are some of those things that you picked up with playing with Bernard? Well, you know, once you get to that stage, I think technique kind of takes a step back. You should already have that kind of foundation, and it's more the mental side and your tennis IQ. And you know, the guy was. Tomic was 16 when he made it like you have to have a like a huge tennis IQ like you have to be you have to understand the game to be able to make it at 16 years old to be playing the Australian Open at 16 years old even like so just listening to him and what he has to say sometimes in the beginning I'd indirectly ask him questions just to kind of because I didn't know him that well so I'd try and pick his brain a little bit and then as we got closer and closer I would kind of ask him like what do you think this part of my game is and it was just more like that, you know, like just trying to figure out like what it takes to get to that top hundred level. And I think that helped me a lot because he is, I feel like he has one of the highest tennis IQs, even though he might say some not so great stuff off the court, but on the court, when you watch him play, like the guy doesn't hit the ball that big, but he, he wins matches. And it's just like, well, like, what do you do different to everyone else? You know, What's it like to hit with a guy, you know, he's, what is he, 6'4", six, 6'5"? Six, What's it like to, to receive, you know, when, when, that's, when that's coming at you? Um, <laughs> I didn't, I couldn't figure out in the first two practices, like, do I stand all the way back? Because then he would hit, start hitting angles and then I'd be out of balance. Do I stand in? And then he would just start smacking it at my body and then I'll just be jammed. But then you slowly start to get used to it. I mean, it's still a very tough serve to return, especially, you know, he has a lot of feel up here. Like, it's it's hard. but you know, you get through and you have to figure out as a tennis player as well. And that comes down to your tennis IQ of figuring out and, you know, um, just your problem solving skills as well. Sure. Yeah. So was it a lot of, were you getting some one-on-one -on -one predominantly or was it kind of group stuff as well? Cause I know he does coaching extensively and, you know, he's kind of transitioned a little bit of from playing as much as he used to. Uh, no, it was just one-on-one. -on -one. It was just, yeah, me and him mostly. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, as far as, uh, you know, some of the advice and things that he would tell you, uh, is there something that stands out that he said, and it might not be, you know, ten purely tennis related, but was there some piece of advice that he said that you've kept? Um, it's just to go out there and, you know, like, I feel like I have a lot of passion for the sport and it kind of, you know, it's a pro and a con, like sometimes I have too much and then it's just more, you know, slow down, take the match as it comes. And, you know, everyone's going to be nervous for the first few games, but you have to be, you know, a rock and kind of just go through it and get through the match and stay stable. And I think that stuck with me the most, like just being able to stay one level and try and find, like always looking for what my opponent might not be great at. And, you know, I guess coming back to the tennis IQ is figuring out now I'm actually allowed to, I figured out a way from talking to him to look down the other court and see what my opponent's doing that I could use to, you know, to attack him or to put him under pressure. And I think that was one of the biggest things I took away from the hitting with him and what he said to me. Sure. Uh, is there a certain identity that you can say Australian tennis players have in terms of how they play? With a lot of passion. Mm -hmm. um, either way, you know, good and bad, but you look at Kyrgios, he's passionate one way. You look at Demona, you look at Johnny Millman. I mean, those guys are ferocious competitors. Even Leighton Hewitt, like, he was considered a bad boy when he came out. And then now he's 
regarded as one of the greatest competitors in tennis and just someone who would never give up. And I think that is identity as tennis, Australian tennis players, that we never give up. And, you know, what I tell myself is if I get out on court, I don't want, I don't want my opponent to play me. And I think that's, that's something I cherish and you know, try and bring out onto the court every time I play. Sure. Uh, so once you got to the United States, I think, I'm sure things have changed. Um, what have you picked up from playing collegiate tennis uh, in terms of, you know, how people play over here? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, it's a different type of style of tennis because it's more of a team, you know, like when you're playing individually, like I've traveled by myself, it can kind of get a bit like, like you feel alone, but you're never alone when you're playing in collegiate tennis. Like you've always got your team to back you when you lose a point, it doesn't matter next point, you know, like they're always lifting your energy um, and just playing with that constant high energy. I, I really enjoyed and I feel like I brought it into my game and it's just helped me ever since then. But I mean, tennis is tennis. Uh, but the biggest difference, I think, is the team aspect to it. And I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So you had a year, part of a year under your belt. Obviously, you got to play in the fall. You had some success in the fall. You won that tournament with Joe. Um, yeah. And then in the spring, you you know, you got a chance to play four, five, and six singles. So it was great for you as a freshman. Uh, but what do you think you'll bring into this next year that you might have picked up in the last couple months? Um, I think I just feel a whole lot more confident with my game um you know just I've put in the work over the summer and I you know I have confidence and I just have a better understanding of who I am on court and through the help of Tomic and what he said and it's just being able to help me find an identity that I can go out there and play with and you know now I've coached back so he can kind of look at it and see what I'm doing and a deep analysis like I think coach is a great strategical coach and when I'm out there, like he can pick up on things that I might not be able to pick up on. So, and, you know, that's also what I'm learning from uh, Coach Lucas as well is how do I pick out these little things that I don't see yet? So I definitely think that. Sure. Um, so looking ahead to this season, uh, you guys have had a lot of uncertainty um, in terms of what the schedule is going to look like, who you guys are playing. Uh, what are you looking forward to most in getting back on the court? getting back on the court I mean there's nothing else I'd want to do besides competing I competed a little bit back home but none of those tournaments though I was using all those tournaments to kind of help shape my game but here you know there's something to play for and you know I want to get out there and win I want to put a ring on my finger I want to have a banner I want to have a trophy or whatever like I want it so I'm most excited to get out there and play so for For the people that don't know, obviously it's been a whirlwind couple of weeks for you getting back and situated. The time change, like we talked about, what what has the couple, last couple of weeks been like? You know, and the semester started too. Oh well, before I got here, it was just a big shambles of how do I even get here? I mean, there was so many, so so much uncertainty of what I need to leave. Like, do I need a COVID test or an exemption to leave Australia? And you know, then there's the whole like like the like what am I going to do when I get there like what's the situation like in America like is it going to be locked down is it not there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of stressful parts but you just go through it and trust the process and when I got here it was pretty simple you know I got into the room self-isolated waited for my test to come back slept most of the time because I was just uh, I don't even know how long was my layover I think 20 hours maybe even more 24 hours it's ridiculous but you get through it 
do the right things and then you should be feeling fine within a week or less if you do it properly. Yeah, what's that what's that uh travel you know experience like? So you're flying from Australia, what's your next stop before you get to these to the states? Yeah, well for this trip this year I went from Brisbane to Sydney, which was fine, and then Sydney to LA, which is about 13, 14 hours, I think. So I arrived in LA at 5 a.m. Then I went to Houston at, at 10 o'clock, I think. And then I arrived at Jacksonville at 8 p.m. So very long day, just full of traveling and waiting around in airports. But you find ways to entertain yourself when you've traveled quite mm-hmm. a bit like I have. So uh, what, what's the trick, trick of the trade to make sure all your luggage gets with you? What do you bring? What do you not bring? <sighs> That's a tough one. That's a tough one, actually. Um, we'll let her bring two bags. And I didn't know <laughs> so I everything into one I'm a bit stressful. Nice. And then you've got the other, st- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got the other added stress of making sure your bags get there. And that I'm always asking when I get there, I'm like, do I have to pick up my bags? Do I not? Whatever. Like it's very stressful at the airport, especially when you're doing these long distance travels and making sure your bags don't get lost. That is, that probably can be one of the worst things if your bag gets lost. Cause then you have to wait and you don't know where it is. And, um, I don't know, just asking lots of questions, like, don't be afraid, get up there, you know, if there's anything that you're uncertain about, just get up and ask, like, it's not going to hurt you, they're there to help you, and yeah, I guess just, just voice your concerns. Yeah, just hope things aren't delayed and things aren't lost, right? That's, oh, yeah. that's the key that's, at the end of the day. That's the key, yeah. <laughs> yeah, any, any important, like, snacks or things that you bring on the plane to, to help the flight go a little quicker? No, I mean, I'm a tall guy, so it's hard to sleep on the planes, but these planes were empty because of COVID. So I got to sprawl around the three seats that I had. So I actually got to sleep finally. Usually, I think that's why my jet lag wasn't that bad this time coming, because I got to actually get plenty of sleep. But I know times before when I've traveled, like, it's just very compact. And, you know, I think a very good neck pillow has to be number one that I take. Like if you don't have that, then you're, yeah, you just feel awful trying to sleep on the planes. Yeah, that's probably an old trick for you with all the traveling that you do in yeah. uh, junior tennis and whatnot, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you get you have it down pat by now, right? So, <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> um, so yeah, we, we know you're a biology student. Uh, so that's another part of your day that you've got to factor in. Um, any goals with that or uh, how's that balancing biology classes with tennis? Um, first semester is a bit tough I think just figuring out like how to organize myself and whatever but now I have a bit of a system and it's just staying on top of things like it's class go to it you know make sure you're doing the homework make sure you're doing this and that and like you get tennis done in the morning and then it's just okay what do I need to do for class get that done and then you know if you do everything on the right schedule which you know we're all human we're probably not going to but if you can stick to a schedule just go and do it and, you know, I don't think I've had a problem since then to stay organized, stay on top of it. And it's hard when you're playing, when you're an athlete and a student, like you don't have much time to mess around. So you have to kind of stay on this narrow path. So I think that helps as well. Sure. Uh, what's the first couple uh, experiences training been like since you got back back here in the States? Um, first couple was okay. I didn't play maybe over Christmas. I didn't play that much just to give my body a rest because I played quite a lot when I was back home. 
but it's good to have you know the other um, guys the new guys that came in and training with them and we had a training session today and we played some sets and it just felt good I mean we all had something to work on and it wasn't going to be perfect but you know it, I thought it was pretty good and I'm enjoying myself so it's fun so we'll get I better mean, as we go on yeah and, and and tennis is better than no tennis right now so I'm sure that's that's shared by everybody um but yeah so this interview will go out right before you guys start playing again uh have you know I've got tennis uh starting up a, a big match against Florida State and so uh, uh looking forward to that and seeing you on the court anything you want to leave with uh PJ um, no, I just wish our team luck and I know we can do it. I know coach believes in us and I want to take the next step with my tennis and with the school's tennis. So hopefully we can bring this, uh, school, another championship and yeah, let's just do it. Yeah. You guys had a great start last year, Eaton two and a lot of returners. So it'll be fun. Thanks for coming on PJ. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talent Talk. Find the complete archive along with feature articles on unfospreys.com by going to fans and Talent Talk podcast series under the Multimedia tab.